Hey, good morning to you. A happy Friday. It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. Welcome to your Friday. I know uh, some of you, we weren't sure you were going to make it. Little nip and tuck, but here you are. You've made it to Friday. Almost Saturday, as we'll call it. How's that? Friday we're just We're already started. moving ahead, right? It's almost Friday. Um, you know, the mask mandate went into effect last night at midnight. We're five and a half hours into it. I've only broken the rule twice so far. because not, not on purpose. I just... I, I'm not in the habit of it. I'm just not in the habit of it. I I, I have the mask in my pocket. I'm not going to wear it outside. I'm flat, not going to wear it outside. Uh, and I forget when I step in the door. Hmm. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Or we've I won't. had a mask mandate in this building for about a month now. Just yeah, so I still know. don't do that yeah, part. Okay. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one around. Who am I wearing a mask for? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I literally don't see another human. When I walk, sometimes through, uh, the elevator opens and there's someone in it, and I'm like, "Whoa!" That's good. Scared the hell out of me at four yeah. thirty in the morning. <laughs> so. I don't ever oh, see yeah. anybody around here, so I'm protecting myself from myself. Which, by the way, if they saw how I drove, they would try to stop doing that. But um, we know that masks in schools. Well, the governor mandated it as school started uh, earlier this week. For some people, we know that it's uh, tiered, if you will, and there'll be other schools starting next week and the week after. But we already know that not everybody is on board might be a nice way to put oh, no. it. Oh, no. There are, uh, let's see, roughly 30 public school districts in Illinois on probation now for defying probation. the mask mandate. Some of them have said they will then comply. In the Chicago area, we just had... We had that one, right? Yeah, Timothy Christian School. And they threatened them and There's they immediately... Three they com- total, I they, Yeah, they complied yeah. immediately after hearing that they would be removed from their... Uh, that their status as a like school would de-certified be... Decertified or something right. as a school. Okay. I said, wait a minute. We'll put those masks but on. But this has to do with, again, the rural areas. It, they're all downstate. All yeah, the that, that are, are looking at this very differently. And, and it goes back to... And, you know, I just think... There are a variety of things, you know, hills you can die on. I, I admit that I don't understand the mask hill for dying on. I, I just think that's the one. That's the one you're going to throw yourself in front of the school board. You're going to, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to threaten the life of the uh, of, of, uh, well, of the teachers or whatever. Uh, you know, to be fair, there Over are masks. Lot, yeah, and there are a lot of parents who want their they want their kids m- m- masked up. Yeah. I mean, they have kids who have issues, you know, health issues. They are concerned, so it's not. It, it, it's not like it's all you know. It's it's a majority of parents but saying every, no masks. Everything no. I've seen is this is not the kids. This is the parents. The the the, the kids are, you know, right. Like I said, I saw uh, my parents two two little two little kids, and it was like they, they wear masks like they have to wear socks. You know, yeah. it's just like it's what you put your socks on, put your mask on. All right, mom. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is kind of what they do. Right. It's the parent. If the parents say no masks, the kids aren't wearing masks. You know, we our boss here who has children, she wears a mask. She always has worn one in deference to her kids who have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yep. know, and that's uh, so- model good behavior. Absolutely. Mm. Like, I look yeah. at my son sometimes and I'm like, you can take the mask off. We're in the car. He goes, I just. I'm used to it. I'm just used to it. Totally yeah. my son too, Cheese. Yeah. He so wears he just, it. I'm like, yeah, take your mask off. No, nope. We're used to it really? now. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I and guess what you, you, it's like a mindset. Do you start with where do you have to put it on as opposed to where you have to take it off? Exactly. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm 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 the opposite. I'm always looking to take it off, not put it back on. Interesting. OK, yeah. now here's the problem. The problem with, again, what I see the the anti masker maskers at school, you don't have to look that far 
to see instances of some what appear to be some pretty serious issues involving kids, schools, in other areas. 20,000 Mississippi students are in COVID quarantine after the first week of school. <laughs> they lasted one week? One week. Wow. <laughs> That's not funny. I'm sorry. Some of them, it could be very serious. I'm sorry. 20,000? Yeah, I, I, I actually, didn't know there were that many kids in school you know in what? Mississippi. Kids are dying. Kids they are, are. They are. Every day there's a story about another child who has died of COVID. So why, again, why is mask the hill to die on? Yeah, I don't know. That's the one I don't care. If you were saying mandatory vaccinations, you, you've got me. All yeah. right. You know what? You, we're going to work. We're in line. I don't think that vaccinations should be mandatory. No, I think you have a choice. Masks at school. You know, we had the example in um, Texas where the governor said, you, you know, of course, the the. The governor who has said, COVID. Yeah. That you can't have masks in school. Right. You know, starting masks from the, are banned. So that they, they just changed their dress code policy to masks are part of our dress code policy. Yeah, you know, along with uh yeah, you have to wear a mask, you can't wear a baseball cap, you know, whatever it it yeah. might be, that they just changed it to, to that. And now but everything's blowing up in Georgia. Oh, there Georgia parents, as well. and like I said. There are a lot of parents who want their, they want the masks and they can't, now they can't put them on. They're literally banned. So they're fighting the mask ban. Yeah, it, it sounds ridiculous to ban people from doing something for their own safety. Yeah. Like, right? you know, it, it's like banning motorcycle helmets. Right. Yeah, right. Why would you do that? If you want to wear a motorcycle helmet, uh, uh, okay. A bicycle, you know, we're banning bicycle helmets. Now, I don't think bicycle helmets should be mandatory. I also just don't think you should ban them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm like, uh, why, why? Those people that are in favor of the bans, you're going to have to explain to me why you're not in favor of the mandating. Both of them are government telling you what you can or can't do. I'm opposed to right. both. Yeah. I'm, it's called consistency, and I realize it's really hard for some people. Boy, you should see some of the comments <laughs> that yeah. being consistent is difficult. You know, some of the schools are getting around that mask ban by making it part of their school dress yeah. code. There yeah. was a loophole that they're able to yeah. get through. So, yeah, you just do that. I mean, I mean you can you yeah. can figure it out. But we we've had instances in schools, and and again, it's something that I I admit I totally don't understand, like the peanut allergy thing or or food allergies in classrooms. Where I used to drop my uh, my goddaughter off at school. And, you know, I had to take her to the classroom door and you know, walk over there. And uh, um, it was the first time I'd seen a, like, sign on the door. It's like second grade or something. And it said, uh, warning, peanut allergy. No peanuts, processed food, you know, did it allowed in this classroom. Like Ghostbuster sign with a peanut in the middle? Yes. Yeah. And and it was on multiple doors around the around the school. So there were safety allowances that you were making for a student or maybe multiple students in a classroom for peanut allergies. You didn't want a kid to go into anaphylactic shock because you brought a nutty buddy in. But you talk about masks and all of a sudden people are quoting the Bible and and again, throwing themselves on the floor. I'm like, where did you how do we go from zero to crazy so fast? Yeah. How did and we just has we've gotten so far away from the science and and the medical experts, right? It, yeah. 
I mean, when you have 20,000 students... You're factually incorrect. You're allowed to be. Don't get me wrong. I don't care. You know, it's like saying two plus two is five. Okay. You can believe it. It's not true. You have to see your checkbook. But but masks do cut down on the transmission. They just flat do. I mean, if you believe nothing else, here's a fact. During COVID, when we were all wearing masks, there were no flu cases. Yeah, we, we yeah, like the cut flu. Down it on, was crazy how much it went down. And colds were down, flus yes, were down. Why? Because, because you weren't helps. coughing and sneezing on other people. Right, you weren't right. Partic- oh, it sounds gross when you say like particles coming out of your mouth and getting hey, on other people. All I can say is watch the movie Outbreak and see what happens oh, no in slow motion oh, when someone it. sneezes. Don't watch Outbreak. Oh, good lord! Don't want you'll okay, never but sleep again. You know again. what? There yeah. is some positive news at least in oh. Illinois. Vaccinations are up like thirty percent. Really? Yes. So you think that it's the Delta variant that's causing people to to say, okay, now you got me. Well, and because let's face it, it's not, you know, the fact is during COVID-19, a lot of the people who were dying were, of course, elderly people who had health issues, right? That maybe the weakest, biggest, yeah, the, the weakest, weakest among us. That's I'm not, not trying to be mean. I'm just yes, saying, you that's know, that's just the fact. Right. The fact now is, I think last week, the majority of cases, 30 to 50 years old. Yeah, and I saw the under 50. Many more children are getting COVID and some are dying from it. You know, it's 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 a it's something that I thought you know the 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 what if if COVID had from the very beginning uniquely targeted kids as opposed to the yep. older population like we talked about. Would we have looked at it differently? Would people have said, oh, my God, I'll do anything, you know, for the kids? You know, it's for the children. B- yeah. Put a mask on. Get vaccinated for your kids, your grandkids, kids you don't even know, right? Would people have treated it differently if it was uniquely or disproportionately affecting children? And if your answer yeah. is yes, then you go, well, then why the hell don't you care about them now? <laughs> you know, right. uh, you know, uh, uh, all right. It's if affecting kids. Now, yep. I mean, that. it just is it's for the kids. You know, the last yeah, thing I want to do is is harm a child or, yeah. or 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 make them sick by you know. Why would you want to do that? Twenty thousand students in Mississippi with COVID mm. after one week of school. That's crazy. By the way, Mississippi has one of the lowest vaccination rates. Right, like, it's not hard to figure. Under no mask, low vaccination. Right. Gee, I already know yeah, how this is going to end. I mean, again, it's, again yeah. it's it's the numbers are the numbers. You can again two plus two is five. You're just wrong. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's. It's really not okay. Yeah. No. Disinformation is disinformation. I learned this a long time ago. Like, if you could go back and you heard these things, what would you tell your teenage self? And I would say, buy Amazon stock. All of it early (laughs) and often. That and Apple, right? Uh, What do, I'm not going to bet against Amazon. As far as I can tell, Amazon wins most of the bets that it makes. But I admit that I don't understand. Yesterday we had the story where Amazon is now the largest retailer in the United States passing Walmart. They just sell more stuff than Walmart does. Maybe you thought they did already, but no, it was official uh, basically uh, last uh, quarter. But Amazon is decidedly an online seller. Walmart is decidedly a brick and mortar, the building. You go to the Walmart and you buy your stuff. So what does Amazon know that we don't? Because while you could make an argument that Amazon Ran the department store out of business. We've heard about it. Running the moms and pops out of business, right? They're going to start opening up department stores? That's a thing? And not only that, they're smaller 
You know what? But I'm going to be the last person to say well, what's up with this because obviously it's Amazon. I'm, and I'm not betting I might against buy them. Stock in that, yeah. So it's going to be more like a, a kind of like a Trader Joe's type, if we can, even though that's a grocery store. And by the way, as we know, Amazon's already in the grocery store business. They all have yeah. opened grocery stores. Again, well, smaller they own, they ones. They own Whole Foods, right? But they've opened. No, they're Amazon right. stores. Amazon Fresh, I think yeah. they're called. But they're smaller, which I thought was weird. But again, who am I to, you know, disagree with anything Amazon does? So now they're talking about opening um, department stores again on a smaller scale and basically pushing their brand, Amazon Basics, Mm. I think it's called. Yeah. So it would only be like 30,000 square feet in size. So what else does Amazon know that they're going smaller? But you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, okay, what? And you can say, I know Amazon, you know, people will say that they ran, you know, department stores out of business. But really, the malls did the same thing, right? What do you mean? Malls, when malls started opening up, well, people didn't go to the mom and pop shops Uh, anymore. Or their neighborhood store, they went to the mall. Right, yeah, Yeah, that that, that shopping is always evolved. But I, I was under the impression, call me crazy, that I buy things online now. That just a couple of years ago, I would have, I would have never thought. Like I remember, it was interesting because I, 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 there are all these barriers I break, and I can't remember what barrier I broke. I bought something online I'd never bought online before. Well, I did groceries recently. I never bought groceries yeah. online, uh, and I did that uh, using one of those like, apps, like Instacart or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, just like groceries, I, I, I go through the store and throw it in a cart, and I'm like, oh, I'll try this Instacart thing, and they brought me bags of groceries. I'm like, okay, I'd never done that before. It was a barrier that I broke. But I was under the impression we were going to go towards more of that, not less of it. I mean, I just can't sit, sit, imagine sitting around going, are, are we headed back the other direction? Are people already tiring? Does Amazon know mm-hmm. that we don't want to sit around and buy things online? We want to go to a store, so they're going to open Amazon stores. Yeah, I know. I think they're going to always be online, but they also know that people like to go to stores. So if you're not going to buy our products online here, we'll give you a little store you can go to. So they do have these Amazon stores, and I've been in them before. And I just thought it was really weird. Like, you're in a mall, and there's a store just says Amazon on it. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and it sells a lot of, like, it sells some of their, like, most popular items, you know, like five-star oh, yeah, yeah, section. Yeah. And then it sells everything they make. Amazon Basics. All the Alexas. Alexa, oh, play okay. WLSAM. Um, you know, it sells all of their stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? And so it was an Amazon store, but it also sold like the biggest books they're selling or tchotchkes or whatever it might be. But we're talking about a bigger, more of a, I use the term real department store. Yeah. I mean, you see a picture of it. It looks just like, but on a smaller scale, which I, I think I like. I hate now. Go So the well, you Wal- want less choice? Walmart. Just and they just revamped their store. Everything is in. First of all, it was I just got after twenty five years, just got used to everything else. <laughs> now everything they moved it is, everything. It is you know what they do that on purpose. And you know what's so funny? It's so big, and yet they never have enough of what I need. <laughs> I'm like, I sort of got. I went to Walmart for a laundry basket. One of you those to, plastic, plastic yeah. laundry baskets. First of all, what? five different people sent me to five different places. Okay, yeah. It wasn't where I would Where's have thought it was. Where's the laundry basket In aisle? the laundry area. Uh-huh. And then finally someone said, we don't have any. Yeah. Well, after that was obviously that. after the third. The th- you <laughs> By know, the way, Amazon has them. They got that. about 400 of them that have delivered tomorrow. What do you think Same I did? Day delivery, right yeah. Same Amazon. day delivery. I told have you. Have your laundry I, basket delivered. Earlier this week, when you talk about doing what you've never done before, 
I now get my dog food. Yeah, you I mentioned never, that. Get it wouldn't dog even food. occur to me. Yeah, just have it delivered. Have it every every month, sometime yeah. every month. You can subscribe. Like, and then have this stuff done. I will tell you, like, a few years ago, I was talking to a young guy I worked with, and he was telling me how he got every, like, he's like, well, I get everything from Amazon. My shampoo, my, that's where I brought right. deodorant. And I, that was so deodorant. to me. That was the, that yeah. was the tipping point for you, Judy? Deodorant. Yes, because I Who was buys like, deodorant online? I just was, was so foreign to me. Are you it's trying shampoo. it out in the store? I Is know. that why? Well, or? no, you're right. <laughs> when I think about it, why not? You know what deodorant you use. I was going to say, just order but it. It just, I, because I was still going to the store and buying those essentials. I got to run down to the store and get my deodorant. Yeah, well, that's what it was, right? Yeah. I, I never bought essentials online. Essentials. I bought, you know. Weird things. Uh, electric scooters. Uh, yeah. Things that I maybe not, but not essentials. Right. But now I get it because this was a single young guy. He didn't want, he's like, if I never have to step foot in a store, I'm happy. So he just got everything. If he needed pepper, he would just order it online yeah. and have it delivered that day. And speaking of that, because this is important too, I use garlic pepper. Okay. It's a big ingredient. I know a lot of people don't use it. I'm Guess not what? familiar with it. I bought it at the store for years. Sure. All of a sudden, it's not at the store anymore. Okay. There's Lowry's or all these name Amazon, brands. Amazon has it. You bet Amazon <laughs> has it. I pay yeah, a little bit more, but back? I don't even care. Toys R Us might be making Yay! a comeback. Well, I could do without Toys R Us. Oh, oh come on. that is sad. Okay, maybe not, because I was going to ask you guys, is there an another toy store? Not really, the, I, I can think there of. There used to be KB, there was FAO Schwartz. Oh, that was the you best. Know, had the, I, did they still have like one of those flagship stores in New York or something like that? Yeah. Now, in Chicago growing up, we had Bargain Town. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. It was a toy store, but it was called Bargain Town. Yeah, I'm I'm not blaming my, my, my parents, but... For the longest time, I think you used to lie to your kids and tell them Disneyland didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I was told Toys R Us kind of was Disneyland. We, we would just go to Toys R Us. We wouldn't buy anything. We would just go there and play. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. we would just, let's go spend the day at the Toys R Us. It was like our version of Disneyland. That's, nice. Oh, my God. That's genius. It had everything. Yeah, I it loved does. it. And you could play with everything. You could yeah, get you on a bike get on and the ride hop. I'm on the hippity hop oh, going yeah. down the aisles. Yes. Yeah. That's how I live life. <laughs> well, we'll see if Toys R Us comes back, all right? So. Still time for our criminal of the day. Hey, I got to give a, a, a shout-out to a a 28-year-old London, Ontario, Canadian man who probably should have just rented the Chevy Malibu. Allegedly, the man splurged and rented a neon green Lamborghini Huracan yeah. and decided to test out the Italian machine. According to police, he was caught going 122 kilometers an hour in a 60 kilometer an hour zone. By the way, Google says that's about 75 and a 35, which is still only second gear in the Lambo. Right. Yeah. But enough to get your car impounded in Canada. The problem? The man still has to pay the daily rental fee for the two weeks the car is locked up. The bill totaling $18,000. Oh, good Lord. To add insult to injury, Leadfoot Larry is being charged under a new stunt driving law, huh. which allows for the taking of the car, your license being suspended, and possible jail time, which seems excessive for 75 miles an hour. But then again, it is Canada, ah. right? So for barely getting your rental supercar warmed up before it was impounded, you... Canadian man, or the Bruce St. James Show, criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. Today, we're going to kick off the 6 o'clock hour, taking a look at the big three stories people are talking about. Cheese, what do you got for us? Well, if you're thinking of traveling to New Zealand Ooh, anytime soon, no, nope, like the lockdown has been extended because they found 
another case of coronavirus. What? They're up to two? It's up to two now. Oh, my God. Something like that. In the country. In the whole country. <laughs> right. But lockdown. they've extended the lockdown. Oh, yeah. God. Judy? Well, more Americans are getting vaccinated. That's as the Delta variant surges around this country. Positivity rate, though, down slightly here in Illinois. Like I need to tell you guys, it is a difficult morning on some of our expressways. Uh, three people were killed in a wrong way crash on the Stevenson very early this morning. And then three people injured on a crash on the, on the Kennedy, which has led to backups, closures, and issues. Tough, tough morning. Please Happy take Friday. it easy on your way in, all right? So, uh, Facebook has become ubiquitous with people's lives it's just a part of it i think for a lot of folks and you know there's been plenty of talk about how much does facebook know about you how much information are they collecting on you do they know how more about you did they influence an election are they contributing to or helping covid misinformation you know it is it's almost like a utility you know what i'm saying it's become so big in in a lot of ways and then some people are taking them on. Some people are pointing it out, and some people have been studying this. Joining us right now, he's a University of Illinois affiliate uh, associate professor, Ben Grosser. Ben, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for waking up with us, Ben. Sure. I assume nobody's up normally at this time, so I appreciate that. Uh, ben, not only, you're an artist, first off, and you've done some interesting pieces where you have... I'm going to put it nicely. You've taken Mark Zuckerberg to task for the way he talks, for lack of better terms, the way he sees growth. Is that a good way to put it? Sure. I, I mean, I, I think the way I think about it is I'm, I'm particularly interested in the role of software in, in contemporary daily life. And you're talking in your segment, you talked about Facebook and kind of how big it's become and how much of fundamental infrastructure at now you know the the position it holds in society is perhaps equal to roads and bridges and telephones and i I like to think about i'm interested in thinking about how does software come to be the way it is why does software work why it does why does it want what it wants and one good way to look at that and to think about that is to think about who is who are the people building software what do they think about and so yeah, I made a film uh, called Order of Magnitude, and I looked at the first 15 years of every video recorded appearance by Mark Zuckerberg as the quintessential um, CEO in Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. And I extracted from those 15 years of videos, every time he spoke, one of three things. Every time he spoke the word more, every time he spoke the word grow or growth. And every time he talked about a number, one billion, two trillion, whatever it is. And I just put those into a video, a supercut, we call it. And I, you know, when I started this project, I thought, eh, that'll probably add up to a five minute long supercut. Nobody's uh-huh. going to want to watch five minutes, but I wanted to see it. So uh-huh. I started to assemble it. And then it got to five minutes, and then it got to 10 minutes, and then it was 15. And by the time I was done, it was 47 minutes long. 47 minutes of Mark Zuckerberg talking about bigger. Just nothing but more grow and more. Numbers. Wow. But what? I mean, seeing how it turned out, it's not that shocking, right? I mean, that's what that's I mean, what he's all about. It's it, Yeah, I think the scale of, of kind of the result of that process 
is reflective of just how growth obsessed he is. And, and, you know, that that is the absolute driving force behind all of the decisions the corporation makes. You know, they have something new. They, I say new that they just kind of announced they're, they're going to be working on this kind of virtual meeting room. It strikes me as kind of a combination of Zoom, uh, you know, uh, uh, but but you use like an avatar to have meeting rooms or whatever. Is there a concern about that? I think anytime Facebook releases a new product or announces a new product, we should always be thinking about what's the data it's going to collect and who's going to benefit from that data collection. Mm. And so, you know, if you think back to 2015 or so, 2016, Facebook released reactions. Instead of just the like button, they added wow, haha, sad, yes. angry, and love. And, you know, the idea then was, well, you could help your friends better understand how you feel. But, of course, it also builds over time a, a complicated portrait of your emotional life on Facebook, and that's of use for data mining and analytics and, and advertising and all the rest. If you think about, uh, I think they're calling it the Horizon Workroom, yeah. if I recall correctly. Um, if you, like... I would encourage people when they hear about Facebook coming out with a new VR work meeting product to think about it as new employer surveillance technology Hmm. that will, you know, be eventually be watching exactly what you look at and exactly how many microseconds you spend looking at it and sensing your temperature and just all the data that it could be collecting from your body during your workday. Um, Ben, you're terrifying me. I know, Ben. (laughs) Ben, what is Zuckerberg's evil plan? What is it, ultimately? World domination. Yeah, what is it, ultimately? I think the the plan, such as it is, is simply to sign up every single human onto the Facebook platform and to keep them on as long as possible to producing data for the system. And... You know, in in the process of looking at order the the film that I built, Order of Magnitude, you know, one of, one of the things you notice as you watch the film because it's all laid out in chronological order. It starts when he's age nineteen and ends when he's age thirty four, and you hear numbers go up and up and up as you might expect. But eventually, he gets to a point where he starts he gets to a number around three billion and or two billion, and he starts talking about a bigger number, which is how many people he has left. So. You know, he essentially stops talking about how many he has and how many there still are to get on the platform. Interesting. We're talking to to Ben Grosser again. He has a film called Order of Magnitude. Uh, but I, I think it's so much more than that. He's a U of I uh, associate professor. Uh, and you you really do get into software. And, and I think what you're touching on, and I know there's been a couple documentaries uh, uh, recently that that have come out, is kind of what do these companies facebook maybe being the biggest but hardly the only one what do these software companies know about you and and i would almost argue in looking at some of your work we don't realize how we're being manipulated like they're better at manipulating us than we are at figuring it out well no question they are i mean there's there's a couple of questions there right first is how much do they know and that, that's a that's a complicated question to answer. I think it's easy to say they know a lot more than you might imagine. And you have to think about it not just in terms of they know 
the information you know you gave them, like your name and your email address and the people you want to be connected to. But they also know exactly how long your mouse hovers over a like button that you didn't end up clicking. Or they know exactly what you typed into the status box, but then erased before you hit submit. Um, You know, things like that, right? There's all kinds of information they're collecting that give them a comprehensive portrait of, of you in relation to other humans. Now, of course, it's, it's, it's how exact or precise it might be um, is debatable because sometimes it's only about looking at, in, at that day in relation right. to others. But, but yeah. it gives them something to go on. Yeah. Ben, appreciate your time this morning. It is a fascinating discussion, and it's one that probably people need to think a little bit I'm more very, about. very, very scared. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ben Ben has woke you up more than a cup of coffee at 6 a.m. We appreciate your time, and best of luck to you, sir. Sure. Happy to be with you. He's Ben Grosser. Uh, he's the artist behind Order of Magnitude and also a U of I affiliate associate professor who talks about software, the effect it has on us. And 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 again, I think manipulation is the word that, that comes up. And what do they know about you? I think the answer is everything. By the way, let's just get uh, and to And by that. the way, and you, we talk about Facebook, but it's anything on the Internet, right? It's anything. You type something in on Google. Mm-hmm. Like it per- pergola, because you guys didn't know what that was. I don't know what a pergola I'm is. still seeing ads <laughs> yeah. for pergolas. Yeah. Yeah. They know that you. drives me crazy. Yeah. yeah. When you're not here, we type things into your search bar, too, that we think are going to drive you crazy. So know, this, like, okay. Every time you walk out of the room, we're like, hey, go type something in our search bar real quick. She'll get a bunch of ads for us. It's like that. Like Jimi Hendrix version of that? Hey, uh... <laughs> Good morning, it's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. I always get a little nervous. We start talking about weddings and married. Whew. Ha! Oh, my goodness. Sweating. Yeah. Sweating there. You know, I don't attend weddings kind of as a rule, but it's because I have a recurring nightmare. And my nightmare Not was... That it's your wedding? That I would show up at a wedding, and there was like a mix-up. And I would be the one that got married, like by accident. Like I would have, you know, like how you go to an auction and you sneeze and you end up buying a painting. Like I would happen. I don't know how it would happen exactly, but that's what would happen. So as the guy who's never been married around here, I will acknowledge there are things I don't know. But this doesn't have to do with being married, too. This could be with, you know. Dating yeah. partners, right? Well, this should be before you get married, yes. for sure. The 10 questions you should ask before getting married. Before we get into those, Aaron, in Oswego, we asked the question, what do you, What question do you wish you would have asked before you got married? Which is yours? Hey, good morning, guys. Um, my, my question was, uh, how is your credit? <laughs> you should have yeah. run a credit score. <laughs> The answer from my wife was none. She had zero existing credit before we got married. Okay. And I didn't realize that until we tried to get a mortgage. Ooh. Oh, so it, it started impacting other things. So it wasn't that she had bad credit. She just had zero. Wow. Yeah, she, she had none. Yeah, no loans, no credit cards, nothing. Okay, well, that's better than that's having, better than, yeah, isn't having that better than, debt. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a 420 <laughs> credit score and I owe 88 grand. You know, that's a little better, I would think. Hey, Aaron, thanks a lot. You know, that, that gets into a, a, a question about finances and about money. And this is, I was told, and I don't know, you know, is this opposite distract or whatever? But in, in, in most relationships, there's a saver and there's a spender. 
Is that hold true? There's a yin and there's a yang. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. One of you is yeah. the saver, one of you is the spender. Generally, yeah. Shouldn't you kind of have that, hash that out of what that looks like before you get married? Yeah, that's think, called a prenup. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I, uh, it's very uncomfortable to talk about money with people. Yeah. Even married do. couples struggle they, to talk about money. Don't do, I, I didn't do it. I wish I had. Yeah. I, I mean, I did find out when we bought our first house before we got married. That um, and of course, uh, my husband had a little uh, problem with something he didn't pay for, but it was something he bought me. <laughs> so you're okay with it? Uh, yeah, you're okay. Well, it's just some dumb little thing. So, but that was like at least the first clue for me, huh? I always pay for everything. I don't leave ah, anything on my so credit you're card. Like, okay, so you yeah. you, you realize that right married off the bat. it didn't matter, you know. So maybe if I had asked the question anyway, but I think that's a really good question about finances. Yeah, but basically, how are you going to handle the finances? Right. What is it? How do you handle money, uh, joint accounts, uh, paying of the bills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Again, we had a joint account, but always our own accounts. Because I don't so think you had I one don't, joint account, right. had, and then you checked out. That own. came later. We had our separate account because we both had jobs. We were both uh-huh. pretty well established. But you how, know, did, we so, how did you determine like the bills and who paid the mortgage? Yeah, we just you pay the mortgage and I'll pay all these bills. Really? Okay. Yeah, like and that's how it worked out. But then at mm-hmm. some point, and probably when we bought our next house and we were married, now we had to have you know a joint account. Okay. And I don't, you know, it was yeah, it was weird. We because again, we didn't talk about it. I wish we had. I think it just kind of we just did what we normally did hmm. so sometimes it didn't work out you know i had my money he had his money we should have just had our money our money yeah. our money yeah <laughs> this could be our money <laughs> uh questions you should ask be uh, your partner kind of before getting married so how are chores around the house yeah, okay, gonna happen that is how's, a big one how is this gonna work mm-hmm. out who's in charge of what how to divide the domestic labor yeah. in the home. My grandma does it now. I don't know how you handle it. That's That would have been my answer. <laughs> I was living with my grandmother at the You're time. Like, so. so who does the domestic? Grandma. <laughs> Who's going to do it moving forward? Well, it's not going to be me. Yeah. I know that much. Yeah. I mean, if you want to hire grandma, she's probably available. <laughs> uh, believe me, there are just, even in this day and age, it's, yeah. you know, certain things that just falls to the girl. And the guy, I guess. So I've always... Cutting the lawn, who? When I was raised by wolves, I was in high school when I hired my first maid. <laughs> I, huh. I'm dead serious. Right, Tom Cruise. Like, sophomore year? Yeah. My dad was never at home. I I wasn't going to do the cleaning. I like it clean. I didn't want to do it. So I hired a maid. Hmm. I've had a maid ever since. I've lived with people, I've you know, and I'm like, yeah, don't worry, we got a maid. Maid does that stuff. That's bad, isn't it? It's no. something I've outsourced yeah. my entire life. Why not? I, 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 will have, do without I have eating. always had a cleaning I will lady. do without eating so that I can have the maid. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'll just skip a few meals. Let's make sure the maid comes, all right? Because I'm not doing that part. I don't clean that I stuff. only have a problem with your um, terminology of maid. It's cleaning lady, but... Unless you, unless you they live in a that, castle and you have a maid. They wear that little frilly outfit oh, and they so wear the feather duster. You know? I mean, is yeah. that a maid? I don't know. One. You might as well go. But <laughs> I'm with you on that. I have a cleaning lady and I would, if I have to, you know, I'm forced to go on, um, you know, public aid, I will still have a cleaning yeah, lady. Yeah, the last thing I'm yeah, giving up. I will trade my children. I would have traded my children in well, for that. Yeah. Not the favorite one, though. Yeah. But we'll keep that in mind. But yeah, again, I, though, I, that would have fallen to, you know. Let's have the discussion. Let's have the discussion. What about this? I thought this was interesting. 
Are you open to counseling if we need it? Should you figure that out ahead of time? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's like negative thinking. Yeah. What were we talking energy. about yesterday? It's like, that's like, oh, it's how like to open planning, schools. Yeah, like planning, planning for schools the to close. Yeah. Well, that's so along like the same on... lines of, would you ever consider divorce? Yeah, that would be the most wow. negative thing to ask. Right? Yeah. And that's a stupid question because either answer is going to be wrong. If you say yes, well, oh. but you be honest, why wouldn't you? What idiot wouldn't? You can't just say no, never. Like there has to be so a limit if, we're, at some if point. I want it, so then you think to yourself, well, if I want a divorce, no, I'm not going to be able to get one because you just said no. Yeah. Never. You don't want any either answer. So mm. don't even ask that question. Yeah. That, never, that never. That never. I'm sure fun. plenty of people have said the never. And if, if, well, if here's one of my favorites, too. What are your expectations around sex? What are your expectations? Wow. What is that going to be the deal breaker? I, don't know. I, might, be, I might be more confident oh, no, no, talking no, no, no. about money, for yeah. God's sake. So, like, can we just talk about money instead? Dear God, this is uncomfortable. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to get into a birds and bees discussion next. Oh, no. What is going on on planes? It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. And as a frequent flyer, uh, it is. Bizarre. I want to give you the numbers, okay? We'll start with just some generic numbers. An average year, the FAA says it sees between 100 and 150 cases of bad passenger behavior. Something that would cause a flight to be diverted. Something that would cause police to come on board. Something that would cause someone to get banned from flying, okay? Check this out. Since January of this year, they're at 3,900 incidents. <laughs> oh. What the hell is going on? I'm playing. I'm no math. That's 39 times more. Wow. In just the first half of this year. I'm flying next week. I'm a little worried. Airplanes are the new fight club. I, well, it's, I, I feel, no, like, no, well, some, can't talk I feel like something <laughs> happens on every single flight. It it, feels even if we don't that hear way. about it, right? It There's feels gonna be that something. Way. Now, I. I'm surprised as much as I fly. I have not had a mask incident on a plane because they're saying a lot of these. Most of them. uh, Two thirds, roughly. But even if it was just two thirds, there's still a third of them that aren't, which is still way more than than average. So there's something going on. Here's what I don't understand about the people who either refuse to wear a mask or want to fight about wearing a mask on an airplane. You knew it was the rule when you went on. Like, it's not a surprise. Yeah. And how do you think it was going to end? And is that where you're going to take your stand on an airplane where you need to get somewhere? After paying hundreds yeah. of dollars for the um, ticket? Yeah. I, don't, I, I, I just don't understand the, I can it. see at the Target. You want to have that stand? Yeah, exactly. But really? You went through all the hassle to get on an airplane and... You so did you it could so make they, a stand? You could get kicked off and banned for life or whatever or now fined. Or fined? And the fines, they're saying, have topped $1 million. Now, again, if I'm looking at 3900 I don't know. That seems like that should be higher. <laughs> Maybe we're not finding people enough. But I've seen well, people taking off people, airplanes in cuffs. They've been fined $42,000. I mean, it's a, it's a hefty fine sometimes. Ugh. Those are usually for the felons. Because people are committing felonies. I mean, they're just being ridiculous. Oh, the ones that punch Although, the flight attendant. Although, I think anything you Assaulting do... Assaulting a flight yeah. Wait a second. Probably anything you do on a plane is a felony, yeah, right? There is something along the lines where they can charge you with, and, and I'm not a lawyer, just playing it on the radio, but it had to do with, like, interfering in interstate commerce. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you yeah. cause a flight to be diverted or go back to the gate, you're, you're interfering with this. And I, I want to say it's a federal crime. 
That's not to mention how much does that cost when you have to divert a flight? It can't be cheap. Oh my god! Have you had a problem on a plane? Three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred. Again, I'm surprised with all the flights that I've taken. Also, call if you have uh, caused the problem on the flight. Oh, for yeah. God's sakes! Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. Knows? you got uh, <laughs> right. Should I make some news next week and yeah, get oh, thrown off? But 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 there is something. It's like bad behavior begets bad behavior. I mean, are people seeing these videos or hearing about these instances and saying, "I'm next"? Like I want to do that next. Like I, do, I'm trying you know to what? understand. There's probably some truth to that. You think? It, yeah, because it, it seems like that it does happen. Someone does something outrageous, you know, horrible, and then all of a sudden we have three more cases of it. So that might be it. That people are, and it, we've we've said this for the past 16 months. People are just angry. We had a lady angry, on a, and they take it out when they fly. Lady on a jet blue, blue flight refused to follow the mask mandate, shouted obscenities at crew members, and punched another passenger. Fined twenty nine grand. Wow! And you're not fined. I don't. You're not fined by the airline. Like screw you. See in civil court. Now you're fined by the FAA, a federal agency. Like I, I want to say you get your you can get garnished for that, oh, which yeah, is not good. Probably. You don't ever want to be garnished. Yeah. It's bad. But I mean, these are these are serious incidents. Well, here's a and guy. Flight and flight crews are, I know, are are really are, fed up. Getting with it. hurt. Yeah. Here's a guy in a JetBlue flight who was fined forty five thousand dollars. So he threw objects at other passengers. He okay, refused to stay seated. He right. was lying on the aisle floor. And he didn't nap. He then uh, accused of grabbing a flight attendant by her ankles, what? putting his head up her skirt. What? They diverted the flight. Who are these people? <laughs> what I mean, where, like where did all party. the air marshals go? Yeah, yeah well, that's another these yeah. guys. That's another thing. Come on, that's well, why they're using duct tape. There so, are no more air yeah. marshals. So, again, I tell you a bit of a story. You guys ready for this? Yeah. So, first off, the FAM Federal Air Marshal Program. Uh, there are fewer of them than there were. Mm. They're usually only on flights in and out of Washington D.C. Just to be clear, oh. and they are not there. To deal with unruly passengers. They are there to prevent the plane from being hijacked. So they will not get involved specifically because they were believed that people would cause a disturbance on the plane to identify who the air marshals were so that they could then incapacitate them to hijack a plane. Just so you know. Just so you know. Diversion. Create a diversion. Well, we need to, we should arm the, uh. Oh, the stewardesses. God, that's what we need. Armed, Armed stewardesses. Yes. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong, right? Uh, At least with a rubber hose or something. Uh, yeah. you know, well, give, give them a good whack. They, it's working yeah. for the Taliban. Give got, them a whip. Oh, they got duct tape. What else do they need? Put a whip on front of the the, the, the drink cart. <laughs> so I gotta get. I, I, you're ready for this. So how many of you have gone through the TSA line and been forced to throw something out? Because you're not allowed to bring it past security. Mm-hmm. Damn near yeah. everyone, right? Yeah. Did mm-hmm. you know that alcohol is one of the things you can't bring on flights? Can't bring booze. Mm-hmm. Okay? And people forget that. They got a bottle of whatever. Oh, I don't. I pack it with my suitcase. You can. Yeah. Right. You, you, you just you can't, can't carry, carry on. on. Right. Yeah, That's right. what I'm saying. So you're at the TSA line. And so <laughs> you'll figure out how I know this. Because of my brother, uh, the, the, the lawyer for the for the TSA, you can't throw it away in the bin because it's flammable, which is why you can't take it on the airplane. Alcohol, so they have to take your alcohol and put it in a secure TSA location. Isn't that convenient? 
which then the government has hired a private company to come and take the bottles of alcohol and remove them. So hold on. The problem was the alcohol was all going missing, surprisingly enough, out of the TSA lockers before the company could do it. And the argument was, my brother says, we literally have been in an argument with, it was Los Angeles specifically, with the LAX, where they're saying, well, you're just throwing, you're paying somebody to come and take it. We'll just take it. Yeah. Right? Save the money. But that's how the government works. You can't just do that. How crazy is that? You can't throw it away. Because in the little, yeah. the little can. I get that. But Y'all we can't. actually hire somebody to come and pick up unopened bottles of alcohol. What do they do with them? He goes, you can't resell it because they don't have a liquor license. He goes, yeah, they're you know, reselling it. Of course they are. No, no, the, the, the government can't. He says, yes, we can't are. resell it because we don't have a liquor license. He goes, you would need a liquor right. license to resell it. We can resell other things, and they have these auctions for crap people leave behind, iPads or whatever, you know, luggage that goes missing. Hey, wait, no wait, auction, what about the all hall. the stuff that they throw in the garbage? I'm using air quotes because... What do you think? They just throw that stuff away? All the bottles of shampoo? and I mean, there's stuff well, no. in there that's not even open. Right. Well, it's, Bruce is right, though. That, no, they 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 have these auctions where they auction this stuff. Some stuff. I, I don't know if people are going dumpster diving for it, but well, that was yeah. always my argument where, I'm sorry, you can't bring the uh, shampoo on or your uh, toothpaste. It's too big. Why is that? Well, it could be an explosive. Okay, so what are we going to do with it? We're going to throw it in this bin right here where everybody's standing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so if you think it's an explosive, why are we putting it in a yeah. bin that is going to turn to shrapnel if it were said explosive? Okay, and what about this? What about the duty-free stores inside the the airport airport. where you can buy liquor? Yeah, and then you can take it on the airplane and use it as a bomb. Yeah, Right, you just can't bring it through and use it as a bomb. Smart huh. move, Chief. I didn't even think of that. You yeah, are, by, that makes no sense. Something. Okay. None, None of it no makes sense. sense. None of it makes sense. Planes are the new fight, flight club, and we'll do that. <laughs> um, how productive are you? How much do you actually work? You know, it's one of the things that, if nothing else, I'd like, I'd like to think at times I could be introspective. They're few and far between. I will acknowledge that. But I can remember, and I think all of us remember a time when, Miranda's going to not believe this. Miranda, there was a time we didn't have cell phones. Yeah, we didn't carry phones on us all the time. What? Exactly. (laughs) And so when you were at work, you had a phone on your desk. And if you wanted to make personal calls or long distance calls, maybe you needed a code. Like, so that they could track your calls. Mm. So you couldn't sit there and just yap on the phone with your mom, your BFF, whatever. You were at work to work. That sounds so nice. Okay. (laughs) But think about the advent of phones. When computers first came out, you some places you couldn't search certain websites yeah. you know they, you know that they, 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 you were restricted in some way shape or form work was for work mm-hmm. but that line is awful darn blurry now and in an eight hour day how much are you actually working and how much is let's call it you time <laughs> let's call it um checking instagram going on amazon.com yeah <laughs> that's not a real kitty come on right i mean are you if we were so honest for me with pers- one another? Yeah, for me personally, every time you talk, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> a 
was a little joke, Bruce. Got it. Um, I'll let yeah. you know when it's funny. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'll let you know. When I laugh, it's funny. Don't worry. Um, well, this is a weird job that's... You Ours know, is not normal. Yeah, no, it's not. that's, that's but when not I, You know what? When I worked in a newsroom, it was interesting because we could do all that. We could skate on all that stuff because we were in the newsroom. We had to look up whatever we typed into the Internet. Everything, you know, there was there were no holds barred because, you know, we were news people. Yeah. And same with using the phone. Mm. But on the flip side, oh, yeah, I did a lot of shopping online. I did a lot of talking on the phone. So the people that do studies found that during an, uh, an eight-hour workday, the average worker spends four hours and 12 minutes working. <laughs> that seems about right. <laughs> I'm no math whiz, but I think that's about half. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Smoke breaks. Now, I, breaks. Think, I think the balance to this is, and I could make the argument that the justification for that is, I mean, you know, the whistle used to blow at 5 o'clock. Fred Flintstone would slide down the and go yeah. home. And you didn't take your work home with you. You were done with work. You worked when you were at work. You didn't yeah. work when you are away from work. That isn't the same. And boy, the Pando, if nothing else, blurred that line for a lot of people. Yeah. What is my time? What is work's time? The idea of a Monday through Friday work week, 9 to 5, weekends. Like, that whole thing went out the window, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that I, I haven't worked an eight hour workday in decades. I mean, that one, yeah, well, but I mean, think about it. The only time you're working an eight hour work week or work day is when you do have to punch in. And there are people out there that oh, they're punching yeah. so a clock. I they punch, show up. Oh, yeah. They got to work. a clock at Amazon. Oh, yeah. On the other hand, Amazon was like, you know what? I know there's a lot of downtime here. So go ahead and you can carry your phones with you and use them when you need to. Yeah. Oh so my you're God. Punched in, was, but yeah. Yeah, so people were on their yeah. phone all the time because that I had a wasn't. Boss. I had a boss at the radio station. Talk about like the distraction of phones and you're there to work. That when you went on the radio, you had to leave your phone. Uh, there was a little pouch uh, outside the studio. You, you, you weren't allowed to bring it in the studio. Really? Yeah. Come on, that was your role, wasn't it? It wasn't mine. <laughs> I, I liked it. I liked it. Really? Because, well, because you, you I'd know, walk I'd walk by the studio and people are at work and they're sitting there, you know, playing on their phone and I'm like, Okay, so are we paying you to play on your phone? Yeah. Or are we playing you to How's Nowadays. Crush going there, Steve? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like what 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 are we doing here? Yeah, now I, that must have been before social media became right. such yes. an important part of yeah. this job. And no, I'm no. always on, you know, and seriously, when you're a lot of times when we're talking, I am online looking something up. Paying for my Amazon purchase. There you <laughs> are. How we were speaking of the Facebook thing, how they monitor every keystroke, everything. Yeah. They have ways to look at the computer. Who's they? They. They, those the higher, people. The suits, the okay. higher ups. I'm sorry. I didn't know they, the, which they, they we wanted to, they could look onto your computer. Absolutely. And see where your mouse Literally is going. Literally where the mouse yeah, is going. Everything. Yeah. What you're looking They know what you're doing. How's the Facebook going? What? Well, and, and it's the example of, I remember, you know, I don't remember if we had to fire this person or if they reimbursed us, but, you know, it was one of those back in the day when you had a phone at your desk and we had like $180 in long distance charges yeah, from their desk. Too. And I'm like, you, you know, you're paying me. You can't just come to work. And, and I remember this going, it says you were on the phone for an hour and 45 minutes during the work day. So I'm going to assume you weren't working <laughs> while you were calling your mom. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? In England. In, 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 in England. Long distance international. Oh, my God. International calls. 
Uh, Who could make those back in the day? But again, right? for me, I would be on the BBC a lot of nights. And it, I could be on hold for 20 minutes before they Oof, do. Right. And then I would just do my, you know, they'd have a picture of me up there. And then I would just be on the phone, blah, blah, doing my story. Nice. And so it could be. God yeah, they knows. would ask me that, and I would just, yeah. Yeah, I was, was on with the yeah. It's all business. All business calls, right? Good morning to you, and a happy Friday. We're going to jump right into our 7 o'clock hour. Taking a look at the big three stories that people are talking about, and Junior will start us off. Well, more Americans are now getting vaccinated as the Delta variant surges around the country. Two states that have lagged behind the rest of the nation in vaccines are now outpacing the national average. It was a deadly morning on the expressways on the Stevenson. Three people were killed in a wrong way crash. Somebody driving the wrong way on the expressway in a head-on accident. And then three people were injured in a crash this morning on the Kennedy Expressway. Jeez. Oh, man. Yeah, there was some tense moments near the U.S. Capitol yesterday after a man live-streamed some uh, messages on Facebook saying he had a bomb and referencing a revolution. But now the 49-year-old from North Carolina is in police custody and thankfully, nothing blew up. Yeah. These tourists are really getting a little crazy (laughs) these days. Uh, Joining us right now is Maria Pappas, a Cook County treasurer. Uh, Great to have you on with us. Thank you for spending time. Well, you are competing with my little dog who wants to know why I'm not taking her for a walk, but that's okay. Well, I've I've lost the little dogs before, so it wouldn't be yeah. the first time, sadly enough. I want to ask you a personal question. Yes, ma'am. Do you think if I changed my name like to Maria St. Pappas, people might pay attention to me? It wouldn't hurt. Let's just throw it out there. You it know what? Let hurt. me answer that. Well, no, they would not. It's done. It's done. I like yeah. it, Maria St. Pappas. St. Pappas. That's a patron saint of quality footwear. There so that's a good one. I think you should go with that, Maria. Uh, I want to start by saying that as the tax bills are showing up, it is important distinction to make. You're not the person. The Cook County Treasurer is not the person that determines the tax bill. You're merely the one tasked with collecting. Is that a nice way to put it? I, right. I send out 1.8 million bills. In fact, right now, I don't even have to send them out. They're on the Internet. Mm. You want to know what you're going to pay October 1st? And we've had, believe it or not, Bruce, 1.1 million people come to the site so far this month. They just go in. They put in their address. Up pops a picture of the house, the commercial land, Mm -hmm. or the vacant lot, and it says this is what you're going to owe. Those bills are being mailed on August 20th, and they're due October 1st. You can check it out at cookcountytreasurer.com now. Right. But what we decided to do this year, and this is the first time we've ever done this, I've been doing this for 22 years, we decided, we created, I created in the office, a new research think tank division, which is looking at inequities in the property tax system, and I actually stole three reporters from the Chicago Tribune. (laughs) I picked up (laughs) Todd Lady and Mary Ellen Padmalik, and I, when the bills, we got the file, on the bills, which means we get a file which tells us what everyone owes. I said, why are we just sending out a press release? Why don't we analyze hmm. this and send the analysis out with the press release? That was, that was 10 days ago. Now we have a 150-page report analyzing this. Wow. And so I'm going to talk about it this morning. Well, it- we are about getting people to understand that this is 
first of all, an extraordinarily antiquated system that needs changing. So we're constantly shining a light on what's wrong with it. And this billing cycle really kind of points to that. We bill $16 billion. Seven of it is commercial property and 8.9 of it is residential property. Mm -hmm. So that's the total amount. 60% of that 60% 60% of that goes to funding our school systems, 60% of it. So if you were to take your bill, and we actually itemize this on the bill and say how much went to the schools, it shows you. But if that's the issue, and, and what we need to do is find a new funding system for the schools, where are we this year with these bills? We're not in really good shape, and we're in a position to say we're not in a good shape because we analyzed it. So let's take something that all of our readers will clearly understand. Let's take Sears Tower, which is now Willis Tower, okay? Yes. It went up $3 million, $3.8 million this year. It went up 10%, okay? The Merchandise Mart, it went up from 16 to $18 million, okay? Willis Tower went from 35 to 38 million. Okay, so the old post office, the old post office, which you know is just newly, newly Mm -hmm. reconstructed, went from six million to 12 million. Good grief! Yeah, so almost. That's the only one I can understand because it has been renovated and it's going to be something else. Why? Why are the tax bills going up so so much? Is it, as you said, based because of the schools? It's mostly because, okay, so there's 526 governments in Cook County, and there is a term, a four-letter term called a levy, L-E-V-Y. Nobody knows what a levy is. In fact, before I came to the office, I didn't even understand what a levy is. But all 526 governments, which are primary governments, but there's actually 2,200 in Cook County. They come in and they say to the county, hey, this is how much I need to run the government this year. This Uh is what I need. So what they need is what they tell us, and what they need, sometimes it goes up. So when it goes up, the bills go up. Simple, simple, simple equation. If the levy goes up, the tax bills go up. Why, are, why is the levy going up so high in the south suburbs? Okay. In the, the levy goes up in the south suburbs because if you drive through Riverdale, for example, mm-hmm. let's drive through Riverdale. If you drive four blocks, half of the four blocks are empty. There's no commercial there anymore. It's been demolished. So in Illinois, there's a formula. It's a state legislative formula which says commercial is going to get assessed 25% and residences are going to get assessed 10%. So if, if let's take Chicago. If Sears Tower goes out of business tomorrow, that $38 million that they're paying, it's got to get divided up. It's going to get made up by oh, somebody wow. else. Mm-hmm. It gets, yeah. So, the few, so as, as the businesses homeowner. leave, as businesses close, which we know in 2020, 2021 has been a difficult time for a lot of businesses, it's not that the, put it nicely, the municipalities don't take less money. They just spread it out to whoever's left. It's like a, it's like a law of diminishing return, though. At some point, there isn't going to be anybody left. Exactly, because now, listen to this stat in Fort Heights. Fort Heights is one of the poorest communities in the entire nation, okay? It is at the top ten in terms of highest increases in residential property. Wow, residential went up 18% 
and commercial went up 42%. And if you talk to someone in Fort Heights, they'll tell you, you know what? I don't think there's much left here except a dollar store. Right. Our statistics are showing this, that in Riverdale, over the life of your living in a home, and that's an African-American neighborhood, which is very impoverished, you're going to pay more in taxes than you did for the house. Oh, for God's sake. Wow. Sense. Okay, that's just Maria, outrageous. listen, you can, this, this, this information, the research you're doing on it, I think it's important for people to hear. I, I, I don't know if it falls on deaf ears with the, with the politicians that are making these decisions, but I think the well, more we talk we about it, do. it's important. Here's what we need to do. Yes. We have done five studies. And you've, you've got, like, really sharp listeners. Go to cookcountytreasure.com. Ask yourself, why are a million people a month coming to, you know, Maria St. Pappas's site? <laughs> You're going to have to change your name. What are they doing here? They can get there. Yeah. And now we have 20 years of information about their property. Just let me say this so that they get there and have some good news from the two of you. If you get there and you put in your address, mm-hmm. you will be able to tell whether or not going back 20 years on any piece of property, you are entitled to $79 million. Well, why would you be entitled to $79 million? Because mm. over the years, you refinance and you mistakenly overpay on oh. your property. Mm. You pay, the mortgage company pays. You refinance it. You're so confused at the closing, you don't know. Both refinancing companies pay $3,000. i am sitting on $79 million. Additionally, Trying to give it back. Wow. Yeah, we're giving it back. You punch apply here. Don't come into my office. Nobody comes into my office. Okay, <laughs> Everybody goes online. You get your money back in four to six weeks. Wow. But now we also are asking people to check, especially this bill, lists homeowner, senior, and senior freeze. Homeowner, if you've lived in it for a year. Senior, if you're over 65. Senior freeze if you're over 65 and making under 65000 a year. If you go to my site, and my site says on those boxes where it says exemptions, really simple. Every time it says no, no, no in homeowner, and if you've lived there for three years, I owe you 500 500 500 Wow. If you're senior, you forgot to apply. Most seniors forget to apply. Most, let me put it this way. Most people don't know that they're entitled to a homeowner exemption, a senior exemption, or a senior freeze. Yeah. Why? And my website's proof of this. This website's up in 108 languages. We've had 423,000 downloads in foreign languages. What does that tell you? This property tax system is so complicated, people don't even want it in English. I- <laughs> Maria, thank you so much for your time. She is Maria Pappas, Cook County Treasurer. Again, the website, cookcountytreasurer.com. You may have some money coming back yeah, to you, yeah. first off. And secondly, you can take a look at some of these reports that show an absolutely disproportionate uh, tax burden yeah. on certain communities. And it is it is ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. All I know is she went to the levy, but the levy was dry. Here That's all go. I heard. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm thinking of all the other states. Um, regarding school. They certainly wouldn't follow it in Indiana if Prisker did it. No, they wouldn't. Um, or anyone, actually. We are not he is seeing compliance, might be a nice way to put it, across the board, where you have, especially downstate, um, a lot of schools and school districts. 30 school districts. That are defying this as we move forward. My question to them would be, 
Are you not seeing what's happening in other schools? Have you not paid attention to Georgia? Does it matter? Florida. What what do you mean? I mean, you think they they just don't care? Even if they did pay attention, yeah, obviously. I mean, regardless of what's because now it's just it's just coming true, right? It's what everyone's been saying. The medical and science, you know, medical experts and scientists, not just the talking heads on TV. But it's it's what they predicted is happening. So why why would they care? They they masks don't mean anything to them because it's kids. <laughs> I mean, well, here you know children? who's going to force this. It's going to be the parents. They're the ones. They're going to become the loudest voice. Well, you and say that, but parents are the ones behind. Not all fighting parents, against. Some no, of it. not all parents. I mean, there are a lot. Look at what's happening in Texas. They're fighting against the mask ban. Parents are saying, and school districts are saying, no, we want masks. So I think the tide's going to turn. I think there are enough parents now who are worried. It is a difficult uh, debate, again, for someone like me, where you say, well, do you want, you know, centralized government issuing mandates to local municipalities, or do you want people to locally? It's why we have school boards. You can make those decisions on a local level. But if I'm hearing the school boards in southern Illinois are making this decision, I'm assuming they have the support of their community to do this. Do you see what I'm saying? And and why should there be a um, top-down mandate, edict, if you will, if on a local level they say, no, we're not going to go down Well, let's path. take Timothy Christian Schools, which is the only district in the Chicago area that decided not to follow the mask mandate. Based on your assumption there that, well, they did it because they were hearing from parents that and teachers say and school officials that they didn't want to wear masks. All it took was the state to say, that's fine. You are no longer accredited. And whoa, they, well, they yeah, wore the mask. I mean, yeah, so, yeah, they threatened them. Well, the threats aren't working downstate. Apparently, but I'm saying they, if they say fine. If threaten it us was all you want. based on their population, then why didn't Timothy Christian say we can't, you know, if our people, who the people who go to our school, that's what they want. So I'm saying it's not always based on that. I don't know why Timothy Christian decided that they weren't going to wear the masks, but all it took was to be not accredited, you know, not only in your educational facility, but your your sports and sports, everything, yeah. for them to change their mind immediately. So I don't know. It's just a hard thing to to theorize about right is it based on what the parents want is it based on what the teachers want is it just based on what the principal wants but, what the super who but, knows you, know, you, it's, you, you can't argue follow the science then ignore the science when it doesn't follow your 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 thought process because a lot of these schools and school districts were open for business over the last year and a half mm-hmm. kids were coming monday through friday no low problemos uh, they didn't shut down. They didn't have outbreaks, whatever it might be. And they're saying have, they didn't have the Delta variant. But, but they're saying, why now? You know, we've managed to uh, survive up until now doing these things. We have whatever mitigation efforts we have. Our community has agreed with this. I don't think people in those communities want their kids to get sick or, you know, go out of the way, you know, to. Here, let me to toss this figure out at you. 20,000 students in Mississippi have COVID. In one week of school. Wow. 20,000. Now, that's been a week. We don't even know. A week from now, it could be double. It could be even more. Oh, yeah. could be more. We don't even know. So I think the Delta variant so much more contagious. Mm. It's just things are a little bit different now, a little bit more severe. So, I, you know, you can. I guess you can let it play out up to a certain point. But I think you said this earlier. 
when it comes to the kids. I you think would think people would look at it differently yeah. when children Parents are might say to themselves, oh, I can get through COVID. But mm-hmm. you want to take the chance of your, your child getting through COVID? Maybe yeah. not. It does seem like you would you would think that people would approach it differently. Yeah. For when they kids. think about little mm-hmm. kids versus the, big kids. themselves and the big kids out there. Uh, Blue Angels will be I'm practicing. I'm, I've been watching out the window to see one. A little later this morning, they'll be practicing with shows uh, uh, Saturday and Sunday right here. Over the over the agua. Yeah. That's a water in Spanish cheese. Ah, uh, and you know we have a view right here, high atop NBC Tower, and, high, and by high atop I mean the sixth floor yeah. of the Chicago <laughs> River. And so I come at this kind of fresh. All right, being an outsider, the Chicago River to me is a really cool thing. It is. Recreational. I see people kayaking on it. The boats yeah, everywhere. The river walk. It's river walk. It what? used to be disgusting. Okay, see, because I don't have that oh, yeah. memory. I grew of up it. in Chicago. The Chico- you, oh my god, you wouldn't even walk near the river. Now I want to get in and swim in the river one day. Well, you ought to join the Friends of the Chicago River group. Thankfully, Margaret Frisbee, the executive director, is on with us right now. Margaret, good morning. Good morning to both of you. So the Chicago River has transformed itself over the years. And as the executive director of Friends of the Chicago River, you've got a lot to crow about right now. This this is a an amazing waterway that provides a lot of things to people here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Chicago River system is brimming with life. As Judy says, it used to be really polluted. And now it's so much cleaner. There's over 75 species of fish. There's a million people out there in kayaks. You know, it's just, it's the center of the river walk, the center of the city, but also the center of a million neighborhoods up and down in the city and the suburbs. And we're just so proud of the work we've done and all the partners we've worked with to to bring it to life. How difficult was that? And I mean, help me understand over what period of time, you know, from from when to when did you feel you went from, we got to do something to, hey, we did it. Yeah, well, you know, that's a great question. Well, Friends of the Chicago River was founded in 1979 as a result of a magazine article called Our Friendless River. And an urban planner named Robert Cassidy wrote the story and said, what is going on? We have this fabulous river in the middle of our city and it's fenced off and polluted. What are we doing? And so he issued a call to action and people responded. And so in the beginning, you know, volunteers worked together to um you know, starting to look at the riverfront and how do we protect it. And, um, you know, we moved from there to getting into, you know, long-term water quality issues. And frankly, you know, I would say over the last 20 years, you know, the Water Reclamation District has done a lot of work. There are sewage and stormwater agency, but it really took advocates like Friends of the Chicago River and our partners to, to get the work done to make the water as clean as, as it is today so we can do things like our big, fun summer float party on Sunday. So when can I swim in the river? Well, you know, frankly, Judy, people do swim in the river. I do they? The, they do. They, and that's the whole thing is that people are in the water. They're swimming. They're kayaking. There's kids, you know, teenagers rowing crew that are getting sopping wet. And so people are in the water. Last summer, I was riding my bike up at Labaw Woods on the north side of the city, and there were 10 children playing in the water. So we don't recommend everybody jumps in the river because there's all kinds of things to be concerned about. But what we're saying is that the river, the the water quality standard for the Chicago River system in most of the reaches protects for swimming. That was approved in 2011. And so what we need to do is create an action plan to make it safe for everybody to swim all the time. Wow, that's amazing. Now, you do have a plan, though, for people to float on the river, right? You got an event coming up? We do. 
That's right. On Sunday, we're inviting people, and you guys can come, I hope you're free, to the summer float party that we're hosting with Water Reclamation District Commissioner Josina Marita. And it'll be a really fun summer event, you know, up to 200 people in floaty toys on the North Shore Channel in Skokie. Um, and the idea is just to, to change the narrative, change the visual, and go, wow, look at people are on the water. This is so fun. I want to do that. And we want people to come with us. You know, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle is coming out, Skokie Mayor George Van Dusen. We have state senators. We have state representatives. Our sponsor is the Moslin Coors Beverage Company. You know, we got a ton of people coming, and we want people to come celebrate the river, celebrate the progress, and then also really push for this change where we understand that we have to protect this resource for all of the ways we need it, including recreation. Again, we're talking to Margaret Frisbee, Executive Director of Friends of the Chicago River, and I, I think along those lines, protecting it moving forward is important, but it's got to be a bit of an easier sell when you see things like the river walk, when you see the development along the river, when you see people wanting to be near it, it's got to help people saying, and we got to take care of it so that we can continue to build around this river this thing that makes chicago so very unique you know bruce you couldn't be more right we have seen a surge of interest in the river you know it started you know world headquarters of big fancy companies moved to chicago and chose the river where to locate but really what we're seeing is people just out there on bikes and they're fishing and they're kayaking and they're joining organizations like friends and they're volunteering with us and you know we do this litter free program we're trying to make the chicago river system sewage and litter free and we have people going out on their own volunteering to pick up trash to make sure it never gets in the water which is aesthetically horrible but also is really harmful for wildlife and water quality so you just see action oriented people stepping up to help us and it's thrilling margaret is there a difference though between I, i like i see the chicago river here right downtown all the time Mm -hmm. but i i had no idea it's a hundred and something fifty something miles of river is there a difference between the river we see here downtown and you know the river you're even Mm -hmm. talking about where the float event's going to take place well the fact is so the river is 156 miles the brook in north brook is the chicago river system the skokie lagoons are part of the chicago river system so depending on where you are the characteristics are really different so you have our downtown urban core you know you have reaches that are that look really industrial but you'll still find great blue herons and you know we see evidence of beavers and bubbly creek and the north shore channel is an interesting reach of the river that was actually dug by the water reclamation district to to increase the flow of water from lake michigan into the river to help clean up the pollution and so you know when they did it you know it was considered a canal but frankly it's full of fish and people recreate on it so it it looks really woodsy it's pretty it's really pretty there's coyotes up there we see beavers we see white-tailed deer yeah (laughs) um yeah all i mean seriously there's mink i've seen mink up there so it's really it's really a fun part of the river to explore and there's great access that the skokie park district built a boathouse and a floating dock so you can kayak from there and that's where we'll be doing the big float on sunday outstanding where can people go to find more information about your event coming up this weekend well, they should go to chicagoriver.org, and it'll hook you right into the summer float party. Um, there's a bunch of information about safety and bring your own floaty toy. And, um, you know, we'll have some on hand, but not enough for everybody. So we want people to bring their own and just sign up for, and have some fun. It doesn't cost much to be a part participant. And, um, you know, this is a real – it's an advocacy event, but it's also just celebrating summer and a great river and a bright future. Thank Margaret, you so I much just want to make absolutely sure, though, there are no sharks in the river. 
<laughs> no, well, you know, there are a northern, northern pike. And then somebody reported this week a tiger muskie. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, I'll take those, as long as there's no sharks. <laughs> there you go. All right, you're sure. safe from sharks for sure. <laughs> Margaret Frisbee, the executive director of the Friends of the Chicago River. Thanks uh, to you and the other friends for the work that you've done to uh, reclaim the river for the city and for the for the residents. By the way, I have enough floaties for all of us. Okay, nice. good. But so we got the we got the floaties ready. The summer float party, BYOF. Bring your own floaty. Ah, uh, you're right. going to need that. And, and you know uh, what you else? Enjoy that. Be well, there's going to be Coors there, so. Oh, well. Sid Molson Coors. So. Yeah. You're on your way. Yeah. But I, I, I do agree. You know, the, the, you, my impression of the river is very different from yours. Yeah. The river to me has right. always been like this source yeah, cool. of. Even the of, color's different. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. so. It's, it looks clean uh, to it's me. It's beautiful. It is clean. Oh, okay. Yeah. It I was going to say it used to be, It used to be a gross river. Uh-huh. I think the, rec- the recreation piece is what was missing. You're right about people wanting to live on, you know, but it's yeah. that recreation piece that changed people everything. People kayaking on yeah. it every he, single day. Yes, I've rent. We've done. I've rented a boat, like one of those little boats they have, and gone down the river. It's so cool. Yeah. Nice. Outstanding. Yeah. You're a captain. We might have to do that. I am a boat oh, captain. Nice. I do have right. a. And you could probably marry someone while we're on there, too. I have to be Maybe 11 miles offshore, married. I believe. <laughs> I think is how that works. I know there's some bizarre rules in there, and you would never want that from, from me. <laughs> we have all said or done something that can be construed as inappropriate, sexist, racist. <laughs> unfunny, wrong, you call it what you want. And I think the fact that we can't even find a no-name Jeopardy host (laughs) who didn't say or do something in his past might be one of the the greatest examples of that, is that the standard that we're holding people to is unachievable. And who went back and was listening to... A podcast, all 41 episodes of a podcast. I'll tell he did. you who, the person who didn't get the job. So it was at LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton. It's sitting, LeVar Burton. Burton. Yeah. He's sitting around going, yeah. I'll show you. Yeah. Exactly. Listen to that. He like, he was mean to somebody. Talked about what women wear. I talk about what women wear every single day. Yeah. Like me. Like, I know. Oh, who is she kidding? I can't wear, can't wear <laughs> she white can't after. can't pull that off. Wear Come white on. after Labor Day. Who yeah. are yeah, you? I know. I think that comment would be what this guy was saying. Oh, he was a little, yeah. little he deeper a little than little that. Bit, a little bit more inappropriate. I, there's a lot of inappropriate in the world. Does that mean you don't get to work? Uh, does that, that mean you don't get to work? That is what it means. I think that's ridiculous. Well, I mean. Because I've been inappropriate. If you guys want to go back and find things I've said, absolutely. <laughs> I could go back absolutely. two days ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Earlier today. the thing. People do get fired for it. People do. You're right. But you see what I'm saying? I, I think it's ridiculous. Because I also think here's one of the problems. Honestly, when it comes to things like cancel culture. We're talking about Jeopardy, okay, Alex Trebek. The bar is way up here. But the the issue being that there have to be degrees. And if you want to say, well, the Jeopardy host made sexist comments, and therefore some people are saying maybe he shouldn't be the host. Don't, there has to be a scale where... Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby are at the far end of that. You you can't you don't lump all this right. stuff together. That's my issue because right. I think it does a disservice to people who are genuinely harmed and to the truly bad people who commit crimes, and felonies, deserve to go to prison with people that said inappropriate things on a podcast. Just, Can I say please. by Judy's yes, logic please, that want, yeah, if I you said something another. bad, right, or you you shouldn't get hired. 
Well, I think we have a whole generation that's not going to get hired based on that because right. what the kids post online nowadays. There's going to need ten to be, years from now. No, we're going to need to draw a line and anything that happened before this day, like at some point, because all of us held to a scrutiny like that have said, done, taken a picture of something and go, that was kind of stupid. I don't know what I was thinking about yep. the time. Yeah, I just think it's well a- in this case, not all of us, but men. And I find it funny that you, man, and Nick, man, no, no offense. But uh-huh. are commenting on what should be sexist, considered sexist, and what's not. I think women can be sexist as well. They they can, of course, they are yeah. hardly. No, it goes, but it goes beyond never, just the sexism. Very, stuff, very, though, yeah. It's but it could be homophobic. Comment. It could be racist. It, but it also has to do with the way it's interpreted. Yeah. It, it, it has right. to be where well, Here's uh, what they a have, thousand what, people laughed at it, and one person was offended. Well, the person was offended is the right one. No, that's not how that works. It is how hey, it best, works. Yeah, the person who's offended is the is the one who is yeah. the sexist. Kind. The, pe- the people that are perpetually offended, guess what? You're going to continue to be perpetually offended. Beth in Belvedere, how are you this morning? Good, how are you? Peachy, thank you. You listened to DJ G scramble up a couple songs a little bit earlier. What two songs did he scramble? Um, it was Billy Idol, White Wedding, and Steve Miller Band. Airliner. Very ah, good. You nailed it. Outstanding. Too, wow. Yeah, you got the band. You didn't even need the bands. You threw this. I wish we'd give her more for that. All right. Hey, Beth, you got yourself a pair of tickets to go see the Doobie Brothers coming uh, Sunday night, August 29th at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. We hope you enjoy uh, a great night out. Awesome. Thanks so much. You're welcome, Beth. Thank you very much, and congratulations. Jump right into the 8 o'clock hour, taking a look at the big stories going on around. It was a deadly deadly night slash morning on the expressway the stevenson three people were killed in a wrong way driver accident and another three people seriously injured this morning on the kennedy expressway might be why some of your your travel times were screwed up today cheese yeah some tense moments yesterday but thankfully nobody was hurt or killed uh, near the u.s capitol after a man live streamed himself uh with a bomb detonating Thing. Device, yeah, yeah, device. There Trigger. we go. But it was just nothing. He was just protesting a revolution, and police caught him, and there were no explosives oh, found, sakes. and nobody was injured. Judy? Yeah, not the way they protest. More <laughs> Americans are getting vaccinated, especially in states that had been lagging behind the rest of the nation when it comes to shots in the arm. Yeah. All right. Hey, you know what? Uh, a few weeks back, I, time seems to fly. It could have been months ago. I'm not 100% sure. I had the chance to go and see a Chicago institution, Teatro Zinzani, inside the tent. I, I'm not even sure how I would describe Teatro Zinzani. It's got a little bit of, uh, it's got some music element to it. It's got some acting. It's got some acrobatics. It's got some comedy. Yeah. A little bit of improv, back and forth with the audience, and then dinner thrown in all around that. It is amazing. I was blown away by it, and I'm so excited. Joining us right now uh, is the the MC of the evening. I would argue one of the stars of the show. We had Cuneo oh, yeah. in here, mm-hmm. and I call, called you the star of the show, just to, <laughs> just to give him rib him a little bit, all right? Uh, he is Frank Ferrante, uh, who plays... Caesar. Hail Caesar. Thank uh, you for being with us today. Hail Bruce, and thank you for having me. And good morning to all all your listeners. You, um, did I do a good job of explaining it? How, when you run into people and you're like, so they go, so what do you do, Frank? And you're like, well, I, I'm in a, what do you tell them? You know, it's, it's, it's a great question. This is one of the most challenging entertainments to describe, and you can't get it until you've been there. And that sounds like a line, but it's, it's so true. And you hit it on the head. It's, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a comic actor. I'm a comedian. I'm an improv guy. Um, 
you go to the Cambria Hotel on Randolph, and you get into that elevator, and it's unassuming, and you go, yeah. there's no way there's this insane, wild, exciting world of entertainment above. On the 14th it, it, floor on the 14th, or whatever, right? <laughs> 14th, 15th, and 16th floor, which has been completely gutted, yeah. and a tent has been literally shipped in from Belgium. <laughs> In 3,000 pieces and has been reassembled, not with, with hammer and nails, but tongue and groove. And it's like this beautiful hand-carved wood. Yeah. It's these, you know, plush, uh, velvet draping and stained glass and this uh, chandeliered lobby and a full bar and there's a live band. And it's, you, you go up the elevator you, and you think, well, where's the show? There's really going to be a show here. I had no idea <laughs> what I was going to experience when the elevator door opened. Bruce, I go there every night, you know, Wednesday through Sunday, and I get out the elevator. I still, my breath is taken away. It's an insane, you really are transported. And it's, it has an old world feel, meaning it's got a vintage, cool European mm -hmm. vibe to it. And um, once you get in there, you're, you know, you, it, it takes your breath away. You get you get sucked in into this crazy wild world, and it's it's people. It's populated by like insane performers. There is. I'm one of them. I'm this over the top MC, the Caesar, which is this character I've been doing for 20 years. Yeah. 2,000 performances, and it's very interactive. And then you have you know it's the best. You know you hit it on the head. Acrobats, aerialists, uh, jugglers. It's it's some of the most talented people come from all over the world. Literally, Bruce, and also locals. You know, local band, local performers. But literally, someone from Ukraine is in it. Someone from Paris, France is in the show. So Zinzani picks the best, and and it's a three-hour evening, and wow. it's got it's tour got, de force. It's insanely well, fun. It almost sounds like a you know like some high-end circus kind of. Yeah, it I is. Know, it's got a feel know, of that. I mean, you, the way you describe it, I could totally visualize it. I have not been yet, but so tell me, you sit, you are at a table, you're having dinner, mm -hmm. and. This is all going around you while it goes you're around you. It goes on above you. Sorry to interrupt you, but it goes on. It goes on above you. Literally, uh, the action is in the middle. It's all in the round. You're sitting at tables, and the action is literally dangling over your head. Aerialists and and performers and, and moving in between the tables and around and and so you yeah it's you're a, part of the show. Yeah, very, yeah. <laughs> you know, I the, mean, and it's interesting. It's a great show. I'm finding that for uh, for celebration, people are really want to get out of the house and this is the kind of show where you go oh, you can sit you can sit there with your family or friends or a date and it's wild that way and and the performers come up to your table and if, for those who saw moulin rouge it has that kind of vibe very uh, good, in the interior good. right yes, moulin, rouge, moulin rouge is a good and the inside of it looks like that so it's an intimate cirque du soleil vibe yeah and it's become a bit of an it's wherever it plays it becomes an institution the plan is that it stays here for decades i mean the the, the investment is huge and the intent is to keep it going because people people love it. It's yeah. you know the greatest thing you can hear, Bruce. You were you you know you saw, you were there second night was when someone goes, I haven't laughed this hard in yeah. years, and and particularly coming out you know uh, going we, through what we're all going through right now. People need to laugh. Yeah. I need to laugh, and for me to be around laughter and other performers, my colleagues. But seeing people smile again, it, it's a it's a hell of a thing. He's Frank Ferrante uh, with Teatro Zanzani. plays Caesar. For those of you that have seen him, you certainly remember him from there. And that's interesting you bring that up because I think that, you know, as you had to close down, mm -hmm. like everything else, and as you started to reopen, um, I got a sense that there is kind of a... A shared experience, a community. We're in a room of people again. Mm -hmm. We're laughing. We're 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 experiencing the acrobats the mm -hmm. same. And it it was it was I enjoyed it, but it did feel I was like, I have not done this in a while. I've not been in a crowd of people and 
everybody laughed at the same time or gasped at the same thing. Like there is that shared experience we have, and you guys deliver on that. Thank you. I I, and I didn't. I don't think we knew what to expect, and we none of us had worked for a year and a half. I've been working nonstop for thirty five years. Uh, doing uh, mostly comedy-related work, mostly theater as a director and actor. So that first night and the night you were there, I come out with this, you know, this big over-the-top character, the Caesar with the big hair and a mole and lipstick and rouge, and <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, this kind of complete uh, Vegas lounge suit. That yes. means, I mean, the, the production values, if I may, for a second, the costumes are beyond Broadway caliber. The props are insane. Uh, it's you, you know you're getting you're getting a lot of eye candy. There's beautiful pe- people, women, men. You know you you saw great athletes, but I came out. And I said, what am I going to say to the audience? This is the first time anyone's been out ah. in maybe two years right. for some people, and I kind of said, Frank, uh, just wing it a little bit. So I came out and I go, hello everybody, and everyone goes, hello, yeah, and and then I go, hello everybody, hello again, and then someone yelled out. A woman yelled, we missed you! <laughs> and, I took, and it was so moving, Aww. meaning like they missed live performance, yes. they yeah. missed interaction, they missed being in a group. We're meant to be around each other. And, you know, and it, we've been isolated for so long and still we're tentative, you know, with different, uh, co- you know, protocol going sure. on. And we're all a bit nervous and wondering, are we wearing a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Now we had, we take, sorry, safety very seriously there and we have a whole protocol. But then, but back to my opening moment, Bruce, with the audience, I finally said, uh, I said, I said, we've missed you. Welcome back. And I went, we are here. We are here. We are here. And the audience just <laughs> exploded, right? I mean, that's what, cause that's what's like, how many times are we all kind of rocking in fetal positions, you yeah. know, on our couch Ryan. going, when is this going to end? When can we just do something basic like go shopping, go to a supermarket, you know, hug a, a relative? And here it's a, it's an absolute catharsis. It's, and it's joyful. And, you know, I've been doing this forever, thousands of performances. And before I go out every, Every performance, I say, Frank, share the joy. And it feels like a joy to do. The famous, the infamous Caesar from Teatro Zanzani is joining us. But, that, you know, that's not all you do, no, by the way. Uh, I have been told, I have not seen it yet, oh, but I've yeah. been told that you can channel Groucho Marx. I've had a long history with that role, <laughs> uh, Bruce. Yeah, about 35 years. So yeah, I've, I've done it, done about 3,000 performances worldwide in New York and London and did it two years ago in Chicago uh, at Teatro Zanzani at the Cambry Hotel. And the, breaking it, I will be doing it again uh, Tuesday, October 26, if I may be so blatant. You're going to uh, do your Groucho yeah, show? It's, it's a one-man show that's um, with piano company, but that a, a third of it is interactive, like I do with the Caesar character. I work the audience, and I've been evolving it since I was in college and wow. I was hired by Groucho Marx's son, Arthur, uh, Arthur Marx, to portray his father. Really? Ar- Arthur is a, a playwright. And so I, w- I was at USC. He saw me in a, in, a, in a senior project, and he hired me. Within a year, I was off Broadway. I was 23 years old. Wow. And so I've been doing that. That's been a constant in my life. And um, during the pandemic, and it's still going on, uh, during the lockdown, I edited a, a film version of the show that I've been doing forever, which will be on, on, on PBS. So I'm really proud of it. So yeah. Oh, nice. But that's, but, but another brash over the top character, like, yes. you know, <laughs> and very much inspired by that vaudeville, 
uh, spirit. So it's a, it's a joy to do. Yeah. That. So Frank, I looked up your uh, character <laughs> online here because yes, I've not did. seen the show yet. Yeah, I, <laughs> I cannot believe you're the same person sitting in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> I look um, like a stockbroker right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of do. Yes, I really easily you could play a stockbroker. Yeah, yeah. And I so didn't know that it, was his hair. When, when yeah, right. he walked in, well, I go, "Oh my god, look at your hair!" And yeah, when yeah. you said Caesar, I just immediately had a different picture in my head, and this is completely different. Yes. The Caesar here. So just just tell us, because I haven't seen it yet, and a lot of people probably haven't, just a little bit more about your character. Well, he's outrageous. He's, uh, you know, this kind of Latin lover <coughs> character, kind of a, kind of a really a take on, 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 on machismo, on, on, on the guys that take over a room. And I grew up around some of those guys. I thought it'd be fun to make fun of, you know, the, the, the alpha male. And, uh, you know, my dad would, would enter a room and take over a room. And I, it was always like uh, big know, and brash big, and over the, the top. And he owned the room. And yeah. So my guy is, uh, owns the room. Now, but he's also making fun of people like that a bit. And I was making fun of uh, showbiz people, you know, who really think they're all that. And my guy is, you know, he loves he loves everyone. He loves the women, the men, <laughs> dogs, cats, a moccasin, you know, whatever it is. The Caesar is, you know, loves everyone is beautiful to him. And and that's part of the that's really the character is so. So I thought, what can I do? So I sketched him out, Judy, when I was first developing this character 20 years ago in San Francisco. I did a sketch. I gave him big pompadour and a, a big mole beauty mark and a little pencil mustache and red cheeks and lips. I mean, and a beautiful uh, loungy suit designed by a great oh, designer. Oh, I love your suit. Isn't that amazing? I love that suit. I mean, suit. a lot of time and money goes into mm -hmm. the into the production element here. And I just thought, how do I play the character? Then I saw the suit and I said, you play it as big yeah. as possible. And it took off. So when I was first doing it, Judy, uh, the visual is so strong. It gives you license, as I was saying earlier, to, to say what you want to say, to joke, like Groucho. If you've got a mustache and eyebrows on, you're wearing a mask. So it allows you to be someone else and to play with people. And I, what I've always heard from, from the audiences is that people live vicariously through my guy because he's unfiltered. He's mm. there to have a great time as a party guy. He doesn't judge, yet he he does in a joking way, but he, <laughs> but he makes you feel good, and that's what my guy that's his job as the host. It's not put downs, not, no, 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 not at no, all. No. He, he builds people up and has yeah, fun with a, them. But yeah. I do this, the the Caesar character. I do make this great entrance, and I hate to give it away in this stunning chariot that goes right oh through the venue, and, and and everyone's yelling "Hail Caesar!" But <laughs> and I'm wearing the laurel and these you know an insane costume with, with epaulets, and it's great. It's really fun. It's called Teatro Zanzani. It is amazing. It is going on as we speak right over here yeah, yeah. in the loop, for goodness sakes. Zinzani.com is actually the, the website. You can go and get your uh, your tickets for it. I, I couldn't recommend it any more strongly. I mean, it is an amazing night out. And we haven't even gotten into the food part of it. Mm -hmm. That it is, a, it's an outstanding dinner as well. And what I enjoyed about it was how the... The different courses, starting with the Caesar salad, mm -hmm. wink, wink, ah, nice. clever, um, <laughs> is is incorporated into the show. Mm -hmm. The 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 um, th all of the different uh, courses and when they're brought out are timed ah, in with nice. different yeah. things going on in the show. Yeah, there are literally there are production numbers that bring your courses to your to yeah. your table. You walk out there. And there's already an appetizer there for you. And then we have whole bits around the service of salad and the entree and the dessert. And, and the waiters and waitresses get in on it Yeah, as they, well. sing, nice. they, they <laughs> sing, they dance. And, you know, Debbie Sharp, who's a bit of a legend in goddess town. Goddess in the Grocer, yeah. Goddess in the Grocer is, is behind the... Uh, 
the design of 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 all of that of the menu and oh nice and, she, and she's amazing and she's absolutely uh, yeah. and she takes you know she's so proud that this is back and it's it's a big deal that we're back but the food component's fun too I mean the premise I, is there are drinks oh, yeah. there are. <laughs> well Just I would say the, the more you sure. drink the funnier I get there is that. <laughs> so, there is that. but the well, bar I, you start out funny so that could oh, be pretty you. hilarious uh, thank you Judy I appreciate it. well the bar is exquisite you go in the lobby the lobby you don't even go in the tent yet but there's a whole lobby area and you're going I mean it's, it's unbelievable beautiful it's it's really great it's and, like nothing you would expect on the 14th floor of the cambria hotel <laughs> no, yeah. i can i can assure you of yeah, that yeah it's mirrored and it's got you know it's got chandeliers but the bar is exquisite and uh you know you can get your hail caesar drink which is basically a high-end margarita and there's you know they do it up right there and and everyone you know everyone is so proud and excited to be working again and to be celebrating again so yeah and i'm always raising a, here, a here. toast so frank thank you so much for your time oh it's a joy so People can see you mm -hmm. do Caesar at Teatro Zanzani. Do we know when your Groucho PBS special is going to be on? That's going to be spring of 2022 national, okay. nationally. Everywhere. And then I'm at Zanzani through January 9th, Wednesday right. through Sundays, matinee and Sunday. you got to hear a little bit of Groucho. Come on. Say something. Explain something. Uh, tell us when we can see uh, Teatro Zanzani as Groucho. Well, you can see uh, Teatro Zanzani, Wednesday through Sunday, you bet your life, at the Cambria Hotel. I'll see you there at the 14th floor. You bet your life. Perfect. One, oh, my One gosh. morning, I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How I got in my pajamas, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and hail Caesar! Hey! So, uh, Frank Ferranti, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. It's my joy. Enjoy thank you. Have a great weekend of shows as well. I appreciate it. Hope to see you again, Bruce. Outstanding. I will be back. I promise you that. Good morning and happy Friday to you. It's Bruce, it's Judy, it's Cheese. It's going to be an amazing weekend. The weather's going to cooperate, right? It's going to be a little warm. Might be a little muggy. That's okay. We can live with that. We'll take that. Warm and is good. It's summer. We know. Exactly. It's summer. You should be prepared for this, okay? It's what happens. Uh, and uh, there's tons of things to do this weekend. Certainly, the Don't Call It the Air and Water show is uh, going to be going on just a little bit later in about an hour and a half or so. You might hear the roar of jets over the city as the Blue Angels I thought start I saw a plane, practice. but it was a, a seagull. Okay. Huh. It, was, uh, it was in the distance. They, I was going to say. Not they, as loud. It will be completely yeah. different when it's uh, the Blue Angels. Uh, and then they the practice today, pick up all their visual references for the show that they're going to do Saturday and Sunday. Uh, they'll be doing those shows right here over the uh, over the, over the the water. It's going to be fantastic, right? Yep. Absolutely. Another thing that's going on, as if you needed more, right? Yes, we have people in studio. That's so exciting. Joining us now is Sandy Price, Executive Director of the Rogers Park Business Alliance. And Autumn from Urban Table is here and brought food, by the yeah. way. all out there right now. So I'll start with you, Sandy, because this is a, this is a great weekend. Right? It, is a, it is a great weekend. You got a lot it's of stuff going on. Tell do. us about it. We do. So um, actually, the um, Glenwood Avenue Arts Fest starts today. today. So uh, yeah, I know. I guess I wouldn't call it practice for them, but <laughs> but they but they only do. Um, so most of the art vendors won't be there tonight. So and the food won't be there tonight. Tonight it's just music. Come out. You got nothing else to do. You want to hang on on Glenwood. Um, they have music from six to ten, and then tomorrow and Sunday all day. You'll have uh, artists. Artists, uh, about 120 people selling their um, art, local artists mostly, um, food vendors, ice cream, um, beverages of the alcoholic type, <laughs> if you <laughs> so choose. Um, be a beverage. Or not, and it's, and it's all free. 
Oh, the wow. best part, all free. Oh, my God. And the pictures from uh, years past look fantastic. And, you know, I, for one, have so missed Neighborhood Fests mm. the past year or two. It's just, you know, they, they're canceled left and right. So it's so great to see that you guys kept this on. And it's outside. So I know, you know, we're back to masks. But it is outside. And it just, it looks fantastic. It should be. It should be a great. Hopefully the weather will um you know, be wonderful. I'm hoping that the weather will be wonderful. And, it will be. Right, I feel and, good. and, right. And there, it's, it's all day. So, you know, there's got to be some part of the day that the weather will be perfect for you to come out and enjoy the festival. So Please. is this like arts and crafts as well? I and mean, what can you buy at these tents? Um, it is. So there is, um, are artists that bring their paintings, drawings, uh, photography, sculptures. I'm sure there will be handmade masks and that kind of stuff, glass, uh, metal, um, you know, just anything you could possibly ask for. Macaroni for art? Uh, macaroni <laughs> art. You I know, there will be kids' activities. Okay, good. still got so, some of that somewhere. I think my mom hangs it up on the Christmas tree every year. I think that and a popsicle stick uh, yep, yep. Uh, sculpture I made back in the day. Careful. Who knew I was an artist? Uh, the Glen- Glenwood Avenue Arts Festival going on this weekend. Again, kind of the, the music kicks off tonight and then really full force Saturday uh, and Sunday. And there's a huge food component to it as well local food and joining us here also is autumn williams with urban tables autumn good morning good morning thanks for having us tell me a little bit about your restaurant urban tables is actually a catering company got it we're located in rogers park we're fairly new family owned we are a multicultural home style cooking uh, catering company give me an example of that when you say that what does that mean to you uh, to me, it means celebrating all of the cultures or as many cultures as possible in Chicago and particularly in Rogers Park. Our goal long term is to work with as many refugees and immigrants as possible, bringing them in to cook foods that are native oh. to their home cultures so that they can share those with the city. What a great idea. It's amazing. Yeah. Can you give me an example of one? I have one for you to taste when we're done, which happens to be one of Sandy's favorite foods in the world. (laughs) It's Congolese cabbage. Congolese cabbage. My favorite Mm. since I've had autumns. I had never had it before. Well, I, I, I don't think you were alone. I'm, gonna say I'm not that's... sure that it actually exists outside of the realm of urban tables. Right. And so people good. would ask me, what makes it Congolese cabbage? Yeah. And my answer would be the Congolese woman who makes it. Oh. Um, and uh, so during the pandemic, that's kind of put the kibosh on bringing in lots of different people and people from different cultures. Understood. But certainly we hope uh, as we get this pandemic under control we keep at, knocking on yeah, wood right. yes ma'am at whatever point that comes that we can continue to celebrate um and do some fusion so with the congolese cabbage african food in particular isn't uh, there's not a lot of handheld walk around and eat it options oh, okay. for americans so we've taken that and we've combined it with a tamale so we have a congolese cabbage tamale really so it's Yum. now street food and fusion so well, and what a great idea for a fest right you need to have perfect. food you can walk around with yeah absolutely so, who is your customer mostly who our customer varies greatly particularly during the pandemic during the pandemic we've had the opportunity to go into the north shore and rush hospital systems and uh, do pop-ups in their cafeteria areas so that's changed our our sure customer base we do festivals. We also do something called our Heat and Eat. The concept is you, 
our menu changes every week. You can order, uh, pre-order, and then on Friday, your order is ready either for pickup or delivery, and you have food by the serving for the next week. It goes in the refrigerator, freezer. You pull it out, throw it in the oven or microwave, and you have home-style, fresh, very diverse cooking. Might be gluten-free, might be vegan, might be full-on carnivore, right. <laughs> whatever you're, you, 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 you get to choose, <laughs> right? So you get to choose for your family, and that way you don't grocery shop, you don't cook, you don't clean up. How can people find out more about Urban Table? Our website, urbantableschicago.com. That's nice. a good, I was going to say, it's a good place to start, right? And I love the, I love the name. Isn't the concept great as well? Oh my gosh, I, I feel like you've been pivoting as you needed to, because these are all like new ideas I haven't heard of. I mean, doing a, have a catering business do full week, you know, weekly menus is like I've never heard of it before. We've we've been very fortunate through the pandemic because I hear the stats on nineteen oh. percent like of Chicago restaurants have permanently closed during yes. the pandemic. We've been very fortunate because we're relatively small. We were able to pivot and and we have multiple options of ways we can do food. So that has helped immensely helped us stay alive. Oh, bad. We're happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we're, we're happy that you guys are, are, are still with us. You're coming out the other side Thanks. and that uh, our urban tables is doing such unique things and you will be able to sample yeah. and be able to eat at urban table this weekend at the Glenwood Avenue Arts District. I'm assuming there's going to be other food vendors as well? There will be other food vendors there that are all Rogers Park specific. Nice. Uh, JB Alberto's, if um, you know of them, they've been around for about 50 some years. Um, amazing Pizza will be there and um, another one of our unique food um, vendors will be Badu Senegalese. Okay. Which is great. Um, I do not know a lot about Senegalese food. Really very good. Very flavorful okay. um, food. Um, uh, Jessica from Black Dog Gelato. She was just on the Ben and Jerry's challenge, that Food Network show. <laughs> that, uh, there's an ice cream yeah. challenge. Wow. Uh, so Black Dog, Dog Gelato was just on there. So she'll be there. So it'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a fest. If you want to get to a fest this weekend. And also it's Rogers Park, which is close to my heart because I used to live in Rogers Park. All right, there fabulous, you go. Fabulous, fabulous neighborhood. If you've never been, you must go. Outstanding. The Glenwood Avenue Arts Fest going on this weekend. And urban tables well they're around all the time yeah. but you'll be able to check them out there at the uh at the fest this weekend as well and enjoy it thank you to both of you for being here it's a pleasure sandy thank you outstanding we appreciate it you got your economy and you've got fight club uh and and fight club has been really uh on the rise lately the numbers are staggering and they don't make a ton of sense other than People apparently used to behave themselves on airplanes, and now they go itching for a fight? Let me give you an example. The FAA says in a typical year, there are 100 to 150 cases of bad passenger behavior. Typical year. 100 to 150. Yeah. All right? Something that required law enforcement to be involved, plane go back to a gate. You know, serious. Something serious. Since January of this year, they're at 3,900 cases. Yeah, let's just call that 4,000. Four, almost 4,000 So, cases. yeah, if it plays out, we might be at 8,000 cases by the end of the year, as opposed to 100 in a normal day. What the hell is going on on airplanes? Why 
are people behaving badly on planes? Now, listen, it's already stressful enough. I guess I could always understand to a certain extent. Some people don't travel well. They're all stressed out. The, 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 the check-in, getting early, miss your flight, they all, they, they take off your shoes, whatever. They get very wound up over it. Yeah, stressful, but not. But, but they've been, that's been for a while. Yeah, and it's not bad behavior, right? It, the, those incidents are just people freaking out a little bit, and maybe these are people full on Fight Club. Yeah, I mean they are <laughs> like yeah. on board airplanes and kicking, assaulting uh, flight attendants. Yeah, it's beyond taking your shoes off or you know flicking the person's hair in the seat in front of you. There's entire channels where you can go and watch uh, videos of people getting kicked off airplanes for refusing to wear a mask. And here's what I don't understand. If you don't want to wear your mask, that's great. How do you not know that you can't get on the plane? Like, how is that? Where'd you miss that part? Where you don't have to wear a mask, you're right. But you can't fly also. And that's the even, other side I don't even it. think that's it. I don't think they're like, oh, I didn't know. I think they're like, they I'm not doing it. They know. They're, it's not like, oh, we have to wear a mask. They're going specifically to not wear a mask. But they had to wear it. Here's the they had to wear it all the way through the airport. They had to wear it to go through the TSA line, right? They wore it up to the gate. They won't let you on the plane if you're not wearing it. They wear it on the plane. Right. And they wear it all the way on the air. air. And then they take it off. Yeah. Then they get in the air and then they take it off and make their stand. Right. What are you going to do now? Kick me out? The answer to that, by the way, is yes, and fine people. Yeah, we're going to land the plane first, and then we are going to kick you out. The FAA has fined passengers over $1 million this year. Just shocking. Some people got fines of like forty grand for fighting on board an airplane, causing it to divert, etc., etc., etc. That's crazy. I mean, I'm going to say the majority of these people, if not all of them, got arrested. And well, they and are federal offenses. And, and these are the feds. And, yeah. yeah, it's I, I don't I don't understand. I don't but, but, take your aggression out somewhere else. Yeah. Not after you've played for your your seat and you're in the air on an airplane well, with hundreds of other people. Alcohol on a lot of flights <laughs> right. because you got we used to be uh, somebody got all liquored up. In the, uh, thank you so much, Mister Stupid Unruly Passenger. Now I can I can't even drink probably in the airport. Ooh. Yeah, well, they were worried yeah. about people getting too liquored up in the airport and then getting on board the flight. Right, yeah. which happens yeah. a lot. American says they're not going to serve alcohol until next year. Dang. Yeah, so take that American one off your list. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not going to want to fly them. You're I gonna, never drink on my flight. You want to stay away from it. But it, just, it does strike yeah. me as odd that this is the... There are genuine repercussions, though. To interstate, what is it? Interfering with interstate commerce or whatever, which is full blades. It's governed by the federal government. They don't care what the local law is, you know, uh, which is why you have to wear a mask in an airport and on an airplane. That's a federal yeah. regulation. It has nothing to do with local I mean, they regulations. are duct taping people to their seats. It's so bad. Yeah, that was bizarre. It's so- to the point that I saw that United uh, had to ask. They said, lay please, off the duct tape. Please stop ductating, du- <laughs> duct taping passengers to the seats. I'm like, no, well, keep doing it. I want to see it happen. 3,900 incidents reported to the FAA of unruly behavior on aircraft this year so far. A typical year, it's about 100. That's nuts. <laughs> Might be one of the reasons why you have to have your faith in humanity restored. Judy says she can do it for you now. Well, a New Yorker has launched a hugely successful GoFundMe campaign 
to fly at-risk Afghans out of the country as quickly as possible. It's a very timely story. Internet meme artist Quentin Quarantino's GoFundMe campaign raised more than half a million dollars in just two hours. After only a day, that total is now up to $6 million and climbing. Wow. So the Taliban has returned to power, as we all have been hearing, and reportedly is targeting certain people and their families. The GoFundMe campaign hopes to help Human rights lawyers, activists, translators, journalists, and artists, all of whom are at imminent risk of being killed in Afghanistan. Now, the asylum seekers will be transported in family groups. The funds raised so far should translate into the evacuations of thousands of refugees. Wow. Yes. Quentin says the amount of impact the money will have and the lives it will save is so mesmerizing. No words he can put into a tweet will do it justice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Regardless of where you are in the removal of of the troops and our our disengagement from Afghanistan, we can't leave those people that no. helped us behind. No. This that is, is like I think they said two flights a day with this money. Yeah, that's yeah. We we can't do that. That's unacceptable. Judy, thank you for restoring our faith in humanity. Also, thanks a lot to MG and the posse over there in Mission Control, hitting all of the buttons, making things happen. Uh, our infant producer Miranda on the other side of the double pane bulletproof glass. Thank you, her DJ Cheese working the ones and twos all thank morning. You sir and Nick Gale who uh, continue to update you the latest news, uh, traffic, weather, all the information you need. He's got it for you. It's coming up next right here on 890 WLS.